What if you had to do an intro commercial for yourself? I'm all, listen, guys. Have you ever felt embarrassed, ashamed, scared? We haven't. You know what powerful people do? They associate with other powerful people. Well, in this room here, we've got two of the most powerful people on earth. Mm. That's one, Jared Truby over there, and myself, Chris Baca. Powerful. Extreme power ballers. So <laughs> if you want, by the proximity principle, to be associated with extreme power ballers. <laughs> extreme power. <laughs> if you, proximity alert. <laughs> you're close to power right now. We just got off a minor minor episode of workplace horror stories minor but i think cord. we could maybe fucking make it major workplace horror stories you should talk about yours oh man so many worst days at work there's a, kind of a lot huh? there's a lot of there's a lot of worst days at work um what is a day that i felt oh gosh i know one i i know one. i know one the names of the individuals have been changed to protect the story of those involved we must protect the story of the individuals once upon a time mm. i was the head of business development which meant that i ran a wholesale program so my job was basically to manage a small team of salespeople. and he took his phone out dude it always ruins gonna, it bro <laughs> i'm gonna get a video of you it's very funny it's not funny you get in your zone <laughs> i well, I got to get in. We need to plant the cameras so that we can like extrapolate this. You know what I mean? You can't just poke them out. We got to we got to extract this. So my job was basically to manage small team of of salespeople and we were in charge of account accrual, getting new people on and training and all these real high-end professional real high-end professional stuff i was moving through it like a champ i tell you i went to business school went to sales school went to tony robbins asshole school Mm. i I went to actually none of those right up into the purple nurple i was all up in there dude i had a wardrobe malfunction it was so real (laughs) we were expanding into la and we weren't doing really any business in la but we had a team of salespeople in la just in case and some one person on the team had been doing strange things with the company credit card on a repeat basis amongst other things. And to be clear, I'm no hero of a boss at the time, right? I don't have any <laughs> training. I'm not the ultimate power baller that you just heard in the intro. Okay. It's different. Ultimate power ball. Ultimate power. Yeah. Eagle medallion. So I'm just trying to I'm just trying to make shit work. And my strengths at the time were in terms of selling, if I could get in front of people, I can make people feel really good. I obviously had a passion for coffee and I was really good at teaching people about coffee and infecting other people with that passion. Yeah. That was it. Not forget the bow staff skills as and well. Bow staff skills were freaking on point, skills. dude. I was like Donatello 2.0. Absolutely. Dude. He's out of it. Absolutely. So the way that I was really lacking was in my management skills because I had never had any management training. I wasn't reading a ton of books at the time and I didn't really feel empowered or wasn't meant to feel empowered. It was just kind of thrown into this thing. The day that I got that job, I remember I was in the office with the CEO at the time and he looks me dead in the eye because I was curious about my career path because I wasn't super stoked because of some other stories that we'll cover, I'm sure. And he just looks at me. He's like, you know, I've been thinking about something. And I was like, great. Are you going to tell me what? And of course he didn't because he's very vague like that. He literally 
took a piece of paper on the desk, wrote something on it, folded it in half, and slid it across the table, <laughs> just like they do in the movies. I'm going to triple that. Meanwhile, I'm thinking, is this really fucking happening? Is this... Am I really getting a job offer being slid across the table like I'm some fucking mobster in New York? It's a job idea, not an offer. Yeah, it's a job idea. <laughs> so I take the piece of paper and I open it up and it says head of business development. And I say, what does that even mean? And he tells me and I said, no, I don't want the job. <laughs> yeah, I immediately was like, nope, not interested in anything that has to do with that. And he's like, why? And I was like, well, I hate people that sell shit. I do not want to be in charge of selling anything. I'm fucking over it. Nor do I want to work with people whose job it is to sell things. Sell that I don't want shit. to convince people that they need something that we have. Like, I just don't. Now, my mind has changed on what it means to be in sales now. And I think that the most awesome version of sales is to introduce and bring something to someone that will actually add value to their life, something that would make their life better. Mm -hmm, and that's mm -hmm. the kind of way, that's the platform that we're built on right now, and which is great because we're not really a quota-based company. It gives us the ability to say no yeah. to people who might be bad fits to us. We, you can early on, you can easily identify early on in the selling process and be like, oh yeah, these people aren't a cultural fit, so we need to just cut and run. Right. But at the time and where I was at, we were really making the transition into a very numbers-based business. Hey, Chris, make them say yes. Make them say yes. I just need you to go out and find, just give I don't me know, yes. 11,000-ish uh, different people to work with. We us. never <laughs> fucking talked about people. We never talked about businesses. Not. We only talked about pounds. It's because they're numbers and pounds, dog. It was all pounds. Everything, success was just like a number on a spreadsheet. So that's the world that I was living in. And... Even though I was like, shit, man, I don't want this job. I was assured that I would never have to sell. I would never have to do anything like that. Mm. And I could just kind of be this almost pseudo visionary team player and make the just department let, work in the best way possible. Which didn't really work out. I definitely went on a lot of sales calls and trained a lot of salespeople <laughs> and rode along. And we we scored some Sold pretty some, some pretty cool accounts and that's the way that we talked about it back in the day is like we're going to score these accounts it was like wasn't about helping people at all it was all about scoring accounts so <laughs> it sounds so not up your alley it was not up my alley which is why i denied the job and there were i think days in between Ooh. like going back and forth oh, I'm me sure finally were. accepting the job this is this recurring theme of my life of just relinquishing responsibility. Like, nope, don't want it. I'm totally cool. It's fine. You have um, to take it. It's all good. So now we had a small team of people, and they were all cool people. Yeah, I was, they was down. Like, but they had to work for me, someone who didn't know anything. So one person in L.A. had kept making just ridiculous purchases on the company card. And at the Hitting end of numbers, dude. at the end of every month, one of my jobs was to look at the expense account because every salesperson had a credit card and we had a certain amount that was all good for expenses. Mm -hmm. So my job was to look at it, check in anything over a certain amount. They would just write in, oh, like I did this, that and the other. Right. And part of my job was basically to identify what was being spent and was it making sense 
in correlation with the business that we were getting. Totally. So in the corniest like sales people world, you it's like got to balance your checkbook. Dog. If a you know if a salesperson had three quote unquote Expensive work dinners. work dinners with yeah. these people and this turned into an account that actually made sense, then that's fine. No big D. You yeah. know, if you're talking a lot of pounds, which we were in the day back in the day, and like that equates to dollars. Right. Um so the juice was worth the squeeze to the company. Right. And then right. it's a problem when it's a mismatch when right. you see just money flooding out and nothing coming in. Just friendship. All kinds of weird shit going on. So that kept happening. And I never had any training on how to deal with those things. Uh-huh. So month after month, I was kind of just like, okay, hey, you know, because a couple of my people were on point. And I was like, hey, you know, the, what is this expense? Like, oh, we're working on this thing. It's going to be real gnarly. It's going to be huge. It's going to be big. It's going to be kick butt. And the me inside me, like the gut check me you was knew. like, this is bullshit. Yeah. Total bullshit. Like Chris Baca knew that it was bullshit. But manager Baca had no idea how to, you know, transfer that gut feeling into reality. Christopher B, dude. Especially I'm living in Santa Cruz and this person's in Los Angeles. So there's like a gap. We're not seeing each other all the time. Totally. So many dinners at Best Deal later. Many dinners later. I'm kind of outsourcing information. I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how to talk about this. Getting minimal help, which was really kind of disappointing thinking about it back then. But yeah, we're thinking about it now. But we had a couple conversations, then we had a couple more conversations, and behavior didn't change. And I'm really impatient, especially me then. I'm just super impatient, and I don't want to fuck with people who aren't going to be on the same path as me. So I was just, like, really frustrated. I'm like, look, this thing keeps happening. The tricks that you're giving or, like, the knowledge that you're giving me is not being imparted to this person. It's not working. It's not making a change. So Mm -hmm. I think we need to just get rid of this person. Does that seem like the right thing to do? CEO is like, yeah, absolutely. It's the right thing to do. We've put in our due diligence. It's time to let this person go. You go fly down there and relieve them of their duty. And I'm like, okay, cool. That sounds fine. Get on a plane by myself, go down there, go to our little office space that we had at the time to meet up. And I was like, hey, so... Here's the thing. We've had this recurring theme. You've been given a few different chances. Nothing's really worked out. So this is the end of the line because we can't manage this situation. It's Train just too much. Here. It's too much money. This is like, this is the line. And that was like the trigger to ultimate full-blown meltdown, which I'm sure any manager who's ever fired someone has experienced. And we had one of those meltdowns where it was tears and crying and pleading and begging. And, you know, if I had to do that now, no sweat. Yeah. No problem. Like, but you have support now. I have support and I also have years of experience and I've worked really hard on getting myself to a place. And we've done this together and I'm really proud of how far we've come is where I think we're pretty good and I'm sure we're going to be even better in the next five to 10 years, but we're good at having difficult conversations. And even though it's uncomfortable, sometimes I'm like really good at letting whatever plays out need to play out and then still moving through it. And Mm -hmm. I just wasn't equipped to do it back then. Right. It's because everything back then wasn't specifically backed by like 
real clear job expectations and a direction for a company. Yeah, right? there's no mission, vision, values. No. There's nothing that you're really working towards. It's just like performance management or performance improvement like, plans. When, yeah. And when things aren't backed up by a greater cause, it's really, really hard to hold people accountable. It's also really, really hard to identify and quantify who's on your team and who's not. To where my gut was telling me this isn't working. I had no way of speaking into now. It's super easy. Right. You know, we just pull up our values and be like, hey, pure violation of these three out of five values right. over and over again, logged over multiple sessions. Right. It's, it's just, just not, not a great fit for you. Right. It's fine. And that's okay. Right. Different people have different values. Like not everyone's supposed to work here. Right. And even back then, not everyone's supposed to work there. And that's no. like a great thing to realize. It's empowering on both sides of the coin. I know, but you should, yeah, it was, it was easy to keep a job if certain people liked you, it right. seemed like versus you actually doing the job well or making, yeah, making, making the position worth the money spent. Yeah. And like, Oh, double-edged sword. Like it's even harder if you work for a quote unquote cool company that people want to work for because right. no one wants to leave a job at a cool company. No so one wants to be, yeah. if you don't have that, they gu- got let go either. Yeah. And if you don't have that guiding star, that guiding like North star kind of light, you'll just do like double back talk and whatever you need to do to like, I got to stay here. You know, even if it's obvious you shouldn't be here. So, right. I go in, we have this thing and it just doesn't end. It doesn't end. It's this can't happen. I don't like it's never ending tears. And there's no point where I can actually end the conversation and feel good. It's just begging, pleading, begging, pleading, begging, pleading. And I didn't feel empowered enough to just walk away. So I walked outside and I was having like a fucking just panicky moment. So I called the CEO and I was like, dude, this is what's happening. I can't end this conversation. I don't know how. I need tools. I need help right now. We got crying. We got runny noses. We got, you know, like borderline screaming. It's just like full meltdown. And I'm like, just, I feel like I'm just a kid and I don't know what to do. So tell me what to do. The Cat and Cloud podcast is sponsored by Steeped Coffee. Steeped Coffee combines specialty craft coffee into a single serving bag. It's delicious coffee wherever you are. You don't need a machine. There's no mess. All you have to do is add hot water. Each steep pack is individually sealed and nitrogen flushed so it stays fresh and it's got a unique immersion filter that's ultrasonic sealed, which means it's sealed together with no glue, no staple, so there's nothing between you and your coffee experience. Steeped is a benefit B Corp. They ethically source all their coffee. Their packaging is fully compostable and they believe that business should be done without compromise. You can get your hands on steeped coffee at steepedcoffee.com. We'll have a link in the show notes for sure. You can ask your local retail stores to start carrying steeped or have your favorite roaster reach out and get in touch. If you want steeped stuff full of cat and cloud goodness, you can snag that in our retail stores here in Santa Cruz and on our website worldwide. Basically, Steeped is doing their best to change the coffee industry and make your life more convenient with their pre-portion, pre-ground innovation. The answer at the time, which was completely amazing, was it's fine. You can just let them keep their job because that's what they were asking for. Just, I I can't lose this job. So I'm like, okay, so I'm going to go back in there and tell them that they can keep the job. He's like, yeah, just, it'll be fine. You're like Michael Scott, dude. Don't even worry about it. (laughs) And I was like, what the fuck? All right, cool. Which for me at the time, even though I knew that wasn't the right answer, 
probably, also didn't know what else to do. Probably, probably nice to just be done. And it was it was cool to have the relief of okay, someone else made the decision for me. Sure. And this is what has to happen. So I walked back in there and I'm like, hey, you know what? I feel you. This is what's going to happen. You're going to get to keep your job. <laughs> and we're just going to work for, through this. And they're like, oh, my God. Thank you. This really means a lot. I'm super in. I'm not going to let you down anymore. It's going to be all good. And it was super awkward. And I went home. Okay, you know, I got on a f- flight that night. That was like a few years of a lot of flights back and forth. Like, yeah, I remember flying a lot of day flights, a lot of day trips, and told me all I about them. Flew back and it felt weird. And basically, I think it was only a week or two they, between that that like the behavior one didn't change, but two, they're like, oh hey, actually I quit because I have this other job. Yeah, and it was pretty clear to me that there was just needed to be some cash in the meantime, that that person was already going to move on anyway. Mm-hmm. And those next two weeks were incredibly painful because in that moment, when I walked back in and said, Hey, you have your job back. That person knew that I had absolutely no power, no authority that right. I wasn't the person they knew that I was calling up to a higher power. And even though that I was, even though I was in the position of manager, even though I was supposedly a leader, I actually wasn't. I was just a puppet master and there was no accountability. And when you have someone who works for a place at which there's no accountability and they don't feel accountable to the culture of the company because there is none, they're going to do whatever the fuck they want. Right. Because they can't lose, you know? I already showed that they can't lose. Yeah. So I felt like a failure as a boss. I felt like the company failed with the advice and the steps that we took. And then ultimately it was just lose, lose, lose all around until enough time passed where I could distill the information, which is what we're talking about now. Right. Which is one, even though, under my quote unquote leadership, I had a few people who were really working well for me and I had a good bond with some of them and we did do rad things and we did do the job, which was increase the poundage and make the cash. And we did it pretty well, Mm -hmm. especially considering my training and desire, which was basically zero. Mm -hmm. And that was fine. But you know, being able to get the, get the bigger lessons, those things aside, it's like, I never should have been in that job. Like that job was not for me to have. It should have been for someone else. Well, the other thing is like when you got on that call, that person that you talked to should have been like, go in there, tell them they can call me, but tell them it's done. It was your decision to make. Right. And that person should have just backed you up in that simple way. I just think we've learned so much. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm, I'm starting from the base ground up. Like, well, uh, yeah. step one is I shouldn't have probably had that job. Then there's steps two, three and right. four. Like step two is exactly what you're describing. It's, it's called like, being supported by the person. Being, who, exactly. Yeah. Like if we had the same conversation with one of our team leaders and they went to let someone go and then we doubled back. Hell no, that's definitely not happening. Never happening. No. And I don't, I honestly, I'm so proud of us now because where we're at now and the people that are team leaders, I don't even see them 
needing to reach out to us in those moments because no. all the people that are team leaders here are way more capable than I ever was at that point in Absolutely. time. Absolutely. For sure. Well, that's kind of where I was going. I was going more into the context of how rad is it to have learned those things, even even indirectly in, in terms of not being able to specifically put the pieces together like we have in this podcast, but in the context of all the learning we've done since we opened up this company between like helping people to really establish like the accountability of their position in making decisions and how that's happened to grow into the place where these people that you're talking about now are just like on fire where we can be like, Hey, here's, here's the level we're looking to go to. I'm glad you understand. Go make it happen. Holler if you need help, but go make it happen. And most of the time, we don't need to be asked for help in that context because the real authority to help and make the decisions is on the people that we trust to make those decisions and they know it. Therefore they utilize it appropriately. They don't utilize it because they're power driven. They utilize it because they are taking ownership and engaging in the jobs of being a leader that we have offered them. And everything is backed up by the culture, which is the safety net that lets you know when you're making the right decision, right. it lets you feel that empowerment. They can take the empowerment that we give them and the knowledge of their culture and know this is the right thing for my team. Right. And I don't need to check in about it. And that is a really, really cool feeling. And I still remember the first day here that we had a team leader, let someone go. And we didn't even know about it until after it was done. Mm-hmm. And that was amazing. And like, look, letting people go, that's not the it, mark. It, 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 well, it feels awkward to talk about it because sure. it's got such a negative connotation. But when we talk about letting people go, we're really talking about people finding their happiness. And it becomes really clear, and it's hard to see at certain points in, in their careers here, that they're actually not super happy and the job doesn't really jive for them and they're not a good fit for the company. Right. So when we let people go, it's never like a judgment against the person or hating the person. It's all about cultural fit. Right. It really is. And like the, the desire to do the job and working with the team that we have, that's, that's it. It's never like a thing where like, Oh, you don't work here anymore. You're a piece of crap. It's like, I'm not right for so many jobs. You know, absolutely. There's so many jobs that I probably should have been fired from. And like, as a favor, when the CEO slid that paper across the table to me and it said head of business development, Knowing what he knew about me and where everything was going, the biggest gift he could have gave me is a paper that said, I think it's time for you to find another job. Yeah, but he didn't, yeah. Because that would have put me on the path that I actually needed to be on a year or two earlier. Right. And look, you know, it goes both ways. I obviously learned so many lessons, as did you, because of that time frame. But also wouldn't have minded getting a jump on everything we're doing a couple of years earlier. That would have been sick too. I know. So when you get let go of those from those places, you actually take a breath and you go, Oh, it feels better. feels better. So when we're talking about letting people go, that's, that's how it feels. And if you're a cultural fit, we actually offer typically like a demotion or a step back in terms of like less responsibility and less need to impact the organization and more the ability to be taught and led. And we offer on what's happening. Yeah. Right. Depending it's, on what's happening. Depending on what's happening. That. Some people are just blatantly not can't right. be here. It's yep. not going to work. And that's okay too. Yeah. So that, that would have been a cool gift. So when that happened in our company and we didn't have to be a part of it, it was one of the first times where the thing we're really excited about is 
people who are empowered taking ownership over their spaces. Right. And that's huge. And making those decisions in the context of the culture that we've built. Mm-hmm. That's really important. And that's what I could have used like so much back then and not having those guidelines, not having both things, not having the support and also not having the cultural framework within to explain my decision. Cause if I have that, right. Oh, it's so easy. easy. I can be like, Hey, this, that, and the other doesn't line yeah. up with it all happens. This, this thing. culture, right. this values, this vision, this mission, whatever right. you want to call it. It's not, which is, it just didn't exist. Yeah, so that's, work. that's really tricky. So that day and the weeks that followed were probably one of my worst days at work because mm-hmm. I just felt like a, like failure a to Z and you oh, know, man. I, it's sucks at the time, but, uh, there's, there are definitely silver linings everywhere. And one of the, one of the biggest things that, that you can do if you're put in a position like that is just to be able to step back, shelve it and like reopen that really painful day. However many weeks, months, years, whatever it takes you later. And be like, cool. What, what did I learn? And like those days impact me almost as much, if not more than the days where things went really, really right. They probably do more because there's know? so many, there's so many ways to, to learn from what happened from like, as a bystander looking back at it. Right. It's like one of my worst days, which I'm not going to share the whole story about. If you really look at the things that happened, there was a lack of communication and support from the people who were leading above me. And then there was a lack of ability to follow through. And there was a bunch of other supporting problems in terms of, goals given to every department kind of not being able to work together all these things that we've learned that we've actually implemented into the cat and cloud values in some capacity come from things that we're talking about here and i'll share my other story another time because we got a lot of them call them workplace semi-horror stories uh such a funny time such weird hard things to go through during those 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 years (laughs) but it's good it is funny how many things come out of that? Because what you just described is, man, if that CEO person could have just supported and be like, you made the right call. This is super hard. Just walk away. Tell that person to call me so that we can see this through. You're done. Go home. Yeah. Like, how much better would you have felt instead of, and then there's just all that over, you know, you just said it all. You go home after that. But just kidding. Fake firing. You're good. Yeah. It's, I'm good. We're good. It's funny because a lot of those experiences that are similar have impacted me way more now as a leader than they ever did as an employee. Cause you, you don't want somebody else to go through I it. I don't the same want way, somebody right? else to go through it in the Absolutely. same way. I think that is one of the biggest tools that a leader has is some level of empathy and never really forgetting what it feels like to work for someone else. It's intimidating. You get put in weird situations. Like what happened that you don't ever want someone to experience and you have the opportunity to give someone a better path and that that path how that path takes shape is really tricky too and we'll unpack that more here too because there's definitely a version that feels like that path that is way too soft way too open way too this job can be anything you want because I want you to be happy at this job and that's not good leadership either yeah like you need to have the structure. You need to be able to hold people accountable and you need to have them understand why 
and there's a, there's like a magic there's a magic middle in the middle somewhere. They, it's it's a hard magic to find because we'll we'll go through the stories and then you'll realize that a lot of what we learned, even though at the time we might have been mad or angry or upset in different ways, that. 99% of the people that we are not specifically going to talk about, but we're talking about in these stories, we actually have no problem with now. We can, being business owners, see how they got to the places they got to. And the empathy comes down to being like, man, I kind of feel sorry that you didn't have the support or people helping you to make, to allow you to see a bigger perspective and or things like that. So it's interesting to, to walk back and look at that. Oh, it's, and it's see it so all. real it's like from I spoke every the angle, dude. Homie had trauma. And that's why homie held on so tight. Not okay to hold on that tight, but there's stuff that happens in people's lives that take them off the ledge. Or just realizing that, oh my God, the people that I thought were my heroes, the people that I thought were borderline gods because they own their own business and doing this. They're just people who are barely older than we are. Barely surviving the game. Barely surviving the game who just decided to do it, to throw their hat in the ring And it feels really impressive from the outside, but now I'm like, oh man, that must have sucked for you too. That was oh my definitely gosh. not chill, <laughs> you know. And absolutely, I I feel for that, and I I'm I fucking echo what you said. It's like I have no problem with any of these people, any of these stories, down to quote unquote bad bosses, like that, you know. I never had anything super crazy happen to me at work. Like that that was a weird story, but I've never been, you know, assaulted or slapped or hit or anything right. gnarly like that. I haven't had a bad boss like that. What I've had is bosses who just weren't really like in the zone with their craft. Right. And a lot of it, and this is going to make me sound maybe like a fucking dick, but a lot of them who were really excited about the idea of having a business and being a leader, but didn't want to do the work to actually be that leader I think you're a dick. didn't want to real didn't want to flex the muscle it's and more often the reality than not and that's some hard. shit that i take real serious and you do too and that's why when you see us like we're learning all and the time i'm not claiming to be the the jam all i'm claiming to do is like i'm always reading i'm always taking in information i'm always trying out things and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't but just like in the early 2000s mid 2000s whatever when i was really wanting to dive in to coffee as deep as possible and i knew that to show up in the way that i wanted to i had to i had to practice my craft mm-hmm. and i had to get better and i had to go go all in on it i had to go in on this world of being a boss being a manager being a business owner and that's its own work and that's a big part of the job absolutely it's just the nuance on nuance on nuance and it's all the same it's not the same approach but it's it's like leaning into your strengths in the things that you do well and then just expanding, expanding your scope in all those places. And it's never ending. And you're right. Like from the outside looking in, you like look at us sitting in this pretty kick ass cafe and Aptos and think, yeah, they're killing it. And like in some regards we are. And then most of the regards we're learning and we're just throwing shit and try- we're trying. We're just essentially showing up and we're giving it a go and we're giving it a go with everything we've learned in the past. So I hope you enjoy following along as we share what we've done, how we've done it as best we can and all the fuck ups we've had along the way. Maybe talk about some fun specific coffee shit too. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Speaking of fun, specific coffee shit, we had a coffee launch last week. So we've got four new coffees on the menu that are insanely delicious. I'm not going to tell you about all of them right now because that would take too much time, 
but I do want to mention one specifically, and that's the Damien Chavez from Honduras. This coffee is part of our Best Friends Club initiative, which involves two parts. It involves commitment to buying farmer's coffees each year, regardless of how the coffee comes out. And I know that might sound a little bit strange of like, hey, shouldn't we be buying on quality all the time? Well, the reality of coffee, just like any other agricultural product, is that there is ebb and flow in the product. So it's really easy to spend your money and support someone when the coffee's delicious. But if you've been doing that year after year after year, and then someone hits a rough patch, that's a little bit of a trickier conversation to have. Say, hey, I know we've talked about having this relationship, but I'm not going to buy your coffee this year because it's just not good. Have a great time. Go ahead and figure it out. So part of it is commitment. The second part of it is a financial component. A dollar of every bag of these, a dollar from each bag that's purchased is funneled back into the community. This project exists right now in Honduras and is run through Benjamin Paz, who owns the San Vicente Mill. And he's a huge advocate for the community over there and has built this bridge between us and the people whose coffees we're bringing to you. And he's so tuned in with the community and he's kind of like this mastermind of figuring out, okay, what does everybody need? How do we best spend that money? So we've got one part commitment, one part financial situation. And Damian Chavez, as a human being, amazing. I've had the chance to sit down with him, hang out with his family, spend a couple of days together. Charles and Jared have met him multiple times. And it was a really special thing to be able to meet a producer who was relatively new in the game and be able to say, hey, you know, get good energy here. Your coffee's also delicious. We're just gonna buy it all. Let's take this and run with it. And every time this coffee comes back up, it's such a treat because on one part, it's just incredibly delicious. And on the other part, it's it's got that emotional connection that I can't deny impacts the taste. And then the Best Friends Club initiative, just one more layer on top of that. So if you're looking for an amazing single origin coffee, go ahead, go to catandcloud.com, click on the new coffees banner, go get some Damien Chavez. If you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about and you're like, bro, I just want coffee to drink and you just said a bunch of things that I don't understand, go ahead and do yourself a favor and grab a bag of the answer because the answer is for you no matter where you are in your coffee journey. All right, that's all for this week. Stay dialed, y'all. Peace.